So this morning it is time again to help the garbage man. <laughs> Twice a week I have to make sure that I put the garbage containers outside early in the morning. They have these uh, fully automated garbage trucks. I, I never witnessed them using them before. But the other day I, I put th these containers uh, or at least one container on the side of the street and then the there was just one lady inside the truck she pushed a button and then there were these big robotic arms and they literally took the entire container they, they apparently were able to sense where it was lifted it up emptied it on top of the truck the open part of the truck and uh and then put it back on the on the on the side of the street i was just mesmerized like wow the robot revolution is here so today apparently it is time to put the the container outside with the uh, with the paper and carton and that sort of stuff so just checking so it's currently parked behind uh the sacristy of the church next to where i live because uh the place where they normally would stand is completely uprooted and <laughs> they are going to uh, to build an extension of the of the parish the parish spaces um, but there have been delays and more and more delays it's because of covid a lot of these companies have had um, trouble finding personnel because of all the people that were sick and so they're now catching up on all the work that uh, they couldn't do during COVID, which means that also all these projects that they had here in the parish have been delayed. So it's... Um... Oh, and there's apparently going to be also a funeral because the square in front of my house and in front of the church has been fenced off. I'm just going to put this outside here. And then we're good to go. All right. Well, uh, <laughs> it's another nice morning. And these are important weeks for Star Wars fans. Because, of course, after uh, two years of delay because of COVID, uh, the Star Wars celebration, which is supposed to be annual, is going to go ahead in Anaheim. And I'll be there, <laughs> which is really cool. Um, I've, I haven't been traveling to the United States for poof, four or five years now, which is incredible because, well, it's not incredible. It's, it's not that it is uh, uh, <laughs> compulsory for me to go to the United States, but I have lots of friends there. Uh, a, a lot of what I do on the Internet is geared towards um, an audience that is, um, <clears throat> for a large percentage, North American. And when I was still working with uh, the rest of the team of SQPN, I would go there almost annually because of the uh, the meetings and uh, sometimes we had a conference and so I was very used to traveling to the US. But my life changed quite a bit and then we had COVID and so it's been a while. But I'm really looking forward to travel to the West Coast, which is actually where my grandmother used to live. My um, my grandparents had a house in uh, San Francisco. Well, actually, Daly City, which is a um, 
it's not really a suburb, but it's a smaller city um, south of San Francisco, and the two are kind of growing uh, so so much that it has become one big uh, uh, city, big big mega city. <laughs> and um, my my grandmother had a house uh, on the other side of the airport. So you've got the airport of San Francisco, then there is. I think water is. It, I think it's a part of the sea, right, or a sea arm, or a lake. I don't know. And then on the other side is a small hill, and then she had a, a house there. I think it's still in the family. I think my aunt uh, and uncle, who also live in Daly City, uh, they still rent out that house. Uh, so it's it's nice to go there. I've, I've been there a few times, uh, but I will be traveling to. Phoenix, Arizona, which is uh, where I'll be staying with Rob Cubasco, and then we'll drive to uh, to LA, to Anaheim, and that's where the conference takes place. I have no idea what to expect, but I'm looking forward to it. It's Star Wars. So I figured that for today, uh, I might give it a, a bit of a theme <laughs> this podcast and tell you about the impact that Star Wars has had on my life now don't worry I'm not going to talk just about Wookiees and Stormtroopers <laughs> but I want to talk about uh, moments in my life where these movies have been, have been inspirational and in a certain way also influenced my my worldview my, my the way I make choices in my own life. Good stories have that power. Think of the Bible. If you go to church, <clears throat> you you hear a lot of Bible stories, not just for entertainment or because of, you know, intellectual formation, but it is because these, these stories are life-transforming. Uh, there are lessons to be learned. There is advice to heed. Uh, there, is, there are examples that you can emulate. And uh, this is also true for other good stories. This is not just exclusive to the Bible. Um, but we learn maybe best through stories. Uh, of course, we, we, we are trained in school to always focus on int intellectual formation. And if you do like math, there are not many stories involved. Um, the only time when I was in, in math that... There was a, like a hint of a story was when we were doing statistics and chance calculation uh, where all of a sudden they would talk about uh, a jar with, with white uh, marbles and then a jar with red marbles. And then if you mix the two, what's the chance that you will pick a red marble, that sort of stuff. And I'm like, ah, finally a picture. Or sometimes you would have to calculate there's this train that leaves at 5 p.m. in this town and then there is another train that leaves at that time and there's a car coming from the other direction. When will they meet? Will they crash or not? <laughs> Stuff like that. And, and actually those are the only examples that I remember from six years of math. So yeah, <laughs> it's not a very good... And maybe that is also why mathematics could never appeal to me. Because I felt that it's, so, it's just so dry, so theoretical. Uh, the same thing in, in philosophy. In my first years in Louvain in Belgium, 
I, I loved philosophy. I loved hearing these stories about philosophers from ancient Greece and how over time all these people had been asking the same fundamental questions, trying to find answers. You got Thomas Aquinas, who is actually, um, in, in many ways, a good storyteller. There's even the way he wrote it down, his Summa Theologica. It's a bit of a story. It's always a meeting between, it's a kind of partially based on his experience as a teacher, partially just a framework, a format to write down his, his thoughts. But it would always be like a meeting between him and his students. And they would ask him questions. Like they would always start with the main question. Like why does... I don't know, just making something up here. Um, why did Adam eat the apple uh, after Eve and not the other way around? And then he would mention like three objections from his students. Like three reasons why Adam, for instance, should have eaten the apple first. And then there would be the set contra. The, the teacher would say, yeah, sure, guys. Great thoughts. But hear me out. What if, let's suppose that, etc. So then it's like, uh, there's another side to this question. And then the teacher would explain, you know, this is, these are my thoughts. And then he would answer some, some remaining questions. So the entire way the Osuma is written is in the form of a, like a, almost, you, you see the teacher in class debating with his students. It's, a, it's storytelling in a very rudimentary form, but, but still. And so, just to make the point that for me, stories are vital for learning because they give you a mental image, which helps the brain to process information. It gives you... Um, it helps you apply, I think. So, for instance, when I, when I preach... I almost always start with a story. And then there is a second story in there, which is the story of the gospel or of any of the other readings. And I put the two stories together. I show the similarities. And so in your mind, you've got these two living, breathing stories that kind of cross, cross one another. And, and then there's your own story, the third story, you can relate to that and oftentimes people will tell me, um, yeah, I kind of lost track in the middle of your homily because something you said made me think. And then I was thinking about this moment in my life that, and, and they almost feel guilty. And I'm saying, that's absolutely great. It means that this type of preaching works. You are, you are helped to think about your own story in life where you are the choices that you have made in the past the choices that you can make from now on this is great i love that i wish that everybody when hearing a homily would have those thoughts where you drift away and it's wow i that suddenly makes me think of this or that so this is why i wanted to share with you uh the impact of of the star wars stories and in many ways the stories that i was enjoying at the time and i was still a kid when I first watched these movies, um, kind of have crossed my path over the years, have made me think, were aspirational in many ways, and were also very similar to the Bible stories that I heard in church and the story of my own life. So I'm going to give you, in these two weeks that I'm uh, <laughs> mostly occupied with Star Wars-related stuff, I wanted to... Uh, uh, 
kind of bring that over here in, in the walk. So let's start with the very first movie that I saw. It was also the very first Star Wars movie made by George Lucas in 1978. Uh, A New Hope. Back then it was just called Star Wars. Nobody knew that there were sequels um, planned, let alone prequels. But I saw that movie as an eight-year-old boy, and it was in a real theater, which was rare because I... I lived in a small village in the western part of the country, mostly uh, rural. Um, most most people in the village made their money with these greenhouses, cultivating flowers or cucumbers or paprikas or um, tomatoes. And it was, you know, not the most exciting place to live. Let's let's be clear. It was. It's kind of the boring part of the Netherlands. Some people love it because of the the nice views of, you know, outstretched meadows. And uh, this is not the part of the country with the tulip fields. That's more up north, north of, uh, uh, well, to the west, I should say, of, uh, of Amsterdam. But in this part, it was all just, you know, these glass, mega big glass greenhouses. And everything is flat. So when I was going to school... Well, in, in, I was still in primary stu- school during the first Star Wars movie, but later on, secondary school, I had to bike uh, nine and a half kilometers uh, through just basically a totally flat, boring landscape with just a few trees next to the the long bike lane and and then just cows in meadows and cars <laughs> next to me. I really had a deep, deep, deep dislike of that part of the country. And the reason that Star Wars had such an impact was that it uh, it showed me a boy from Tatooine, Luke Skywalker, who in everything in his life seemed to be where I was at that moment. He was just doing what his foster parents told him to do. He had to help with the harvest. He had these... Uh, kind of arguments with his his foster da- dad, Uncle Owen. Like, I want to go see my friends at Tashi Station. And then, <clears throat> no, you can't. You first have to do your work. I mean, it was totally like the situation at home where I want to go and play. I want to uh, <laughs> watch TV. No, no, no. First, your homework. First, do this. And, and, and if you don't do it, then you'll end up... Uh, in the gutter, <laughs> and this is important for the future. And I just couldn't see it. And it felt like every day was the same dreary routine, and there was nothing surprising in my life. And that, for me, was why I was so why Luke Skywalker was so relatable. Tatooine, at least the part that they showed us in the first movie, was also so flat. It's so boring. It's just sand. For me, it was just grass with cows. And there it was just sand with, with a, uh, <laughs> a few womp rats. There's nothing there. And Luke Skywalker also f- uh, seemed to me a bit isolated on that farm because his foster parents depended so much on his help. Uh, he didn't have much time for friends. We don't even get to see Tashi Station, which is... Unfortunately, it was cut out um, for reasons of pacing, but 
there is still deleted footage and if you listen to the radio plays of Star Wars um, which are fantastic by the way if you ever want to relive the Star Wars movies go listen to the radio plays they're hours and hours long and it's all canon material from the script uh, that is also played by a lot of the original actors not all but but a lot and it gives you much more background on the kind of life that Luke lived before R2-D2 came into his life. So it's this <laughs> very relatable, kind of boring life without really a future. What is, what is Luke's future at the beginning of the movie? He's just going to follow in the footsteps of, uh, of Uncle Owen. And when Owen is too old, he'll take over the farm. And it's a moisture farm. They're not even growing stuff. They're just collecting water. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's so boring. And so the moment that R2-D2 and C-3PO land on the planet, and of course uh, R2 plays that message of, of Princess Leia asking for Obi-Wan Kenobi's help, it's, that's the call to adventure. And for me that was like, oh, if only that could happen to me. Back then I was fascinated by the UFO craze. This was way before the X-Files, but I had read some books in the library. I was really a library kid. That was my only place where I could experience adventures. We didn't have TV. Well, we did have TV, but it was in the years where we only had a black and white TV, very small, and uh, in one channel, Dutch TV was one channel. That was it. There was no choice. We couldn't get anything else because it was all analog TV. And so most of that TV, of course, was used for educational purposes. My parents were very adamant that uh, it, everything has to be useful. So a TV, my father has blocked the purchase of a color TV for years and years and years. Even though most, most of the people already had a color TV, my dad was like, well, what's the use of that? Uh, a TV is a waste of time anyway. And so we would watch news, and wow, there were barely any movies on TV. It was a dream when we could stay with our grandparents who lived in the south of the country near the German border because they had like six channels. Oh my gosh, six channels! Oh, what else do you need in your life? <laughs> this is such an amazing uh, uh, abundance of choice. And we would watch Star Trek dubbed in, in German there. And that was the, my first encounter with, with science fiction and spaceships. So that was even before I saw Star Wars. But I just felt that, oh my lord, the <laughs> if only two droids would show up in my life and ask me if I would become a Jedi Knight. What it did was it triggered my imagination tremendously. I started playing these adventures but we we had uh, all of a sudden we knew what to ask for our birthday we wanted to have the action figures and we didn't didn't always get them my brother and i sometimes we would be surprised by a pullover a pair of socks i'm over uh, <laughs> i'm exaggerating a little bit but all that you know licensed uh stuff was very expensive so but then we also had uh uh, weekly allotments, and we I would save that up either to buy comic books or action figures, and we just played 
the movies because we didn't, we, there was no way to watch the movie after you saw it in a movie theater. Um, so one of the ways in which I could uh, relive the story was by reading about it. And from, I don't know if I, it was a gift or if I bought it myself, I had a magazine um, that was... Uh, it was basically what I still love so much. It's the behind the scenes of the movie. How did they film Star Wars? What were George Lucas' inspiration sources? So they told you about the history of science fiction, about monster movies, um, these these uh, sword fights and pirate movies, and all how all of that was kind of uh, used in the in in the mix that was A New Hope. And I remember reading the last page of that magazine. I took it to school every day. I was in every single moment. I was reading and rereading it. Um, look, staring at the pictures. I love the, especially the behind the scenes pictures where all of a sudden you saw that, that big sand crawler that was so massive in the movies was just fake. It was, it was only half of the thing. <laughs> the rest was a model. It, it just blew my mind. I never considered the movies to basically use sets and props and and miniatures for filming the Death Star raid and everything. So the very last page, I still remember the morning on the in the schoolyard where I read that final page, and it said, "Star Wars will be back," and rumors are that George Lucas is already working on a sequel, and. I don't know if it mentioned the title, probably not, but I was like, oh my gosh, the story is not finished, but they blew up the Death Star and, and they got a medal. I, I totally thought that that was it, and I was perfectly fine with it. But then reading that last phrase, that tantalizing phrase that the, it would be back, and then it said something like, that's probably going to take another two or three years. And I was like, two or three years? I will be so old by then as a child. Just even a week can take forever. Uh, you have these days where it feels there's no end to it and you're bored and you want to go play, but you still have to do your homework. And it's like, what? That's, oh gosh, how can I wait three years for this? I will be 50. And so, obviously, when The Empire Strikes Back came out, uh, I, I was a lot older. I went to see it with my brother in The Hague. Um, we had bought the comic book. The comic, um, not, not the novelization, but the comification. <laughs> so we had already seen those drawings of, of huge, giant walking robots called AT-ATs. And then when we saw it on the screen, it was even cooler. It was so amazing. And the, um, I think what it did was to help me, not just my imagination, but also it, it helped me dream. Like Luke Skywalker went from farm boy to hero and that was what I wanted that was what I dreamt of I, I the, this was the first example for me to emulate that this this is someone who who has turned his life or maybe not on purpose but he's his life is is so much bigger than it used to be so I can be Luke Skywalker too maybe one day I will too have go on an adventure and I really blame Star Wars for igniting in me this fire of traveling. This this desire to go explore places. And especially to leave my front door. 
it awakened, in, in Tolkien terms, it aw awakened the took in me. Uh, I was raised as a Baggins, uh, and I became a took thanks to Star, Star Wars. I wanted to be out there. I wanted to discover, and one of the places that I loved to go was on vacation when we would go into the mountains. Because there's something about a, a, a mountainous landscape that makes you curious. What's on top of that big mountain? I, I remember when we were on on winter vacation in in Austria. It's only one of two times that we went skiing um, in my entire life. I've never been back. Uh, I remember in the in the small cottage where we were staying in the, in the morning, very early. It was six o'clock in the morning. Uh, you opened the curtain, and then in front of you was this big, huge mountain range. If you just looked ahead, you could only see the side of the mountain, and then you had to crane your neck to look up, and then you saw the, the top of the mountain. The, the entire thing was so big that it was blocking the sun, and so it was this big, dark, gray, massive mountain with, with, with snow on it, and then... Uh, the, even the top of the mountain would be covered in, in clouds. Like, whoa, what's happening up there? <laughs> now, of course, back then I didn't do any climbing. We were just there to ski on the, like, the easier slopes of, of uh, said mountains. But later in my life, I've done a lot of walking, especially in France, in the south of France, in the Pyrenees, in the Alps. And one of my favorite places is Mount is the is just go and climb a mountain uh, because it, it it has that same effect on me as a as a Star Wars had. But there is something to discover when you look at the horizon. It's not just flat, and you can just see the the, the windmill in the distance and stupid cows. Oh, how, how that is so not exciting! You have to bike nine and a half kilometers and the only thing you find is school seriously is that what life is all about so my entire youth i've been dreaming of other places that is why i was always in the library i was reading these books i loved Roald Dahl, reading charlie and the chocolate uh, factory i was reading later on comics and uh, science fiction novels because they took me to places where i couldn't go in real life and now that i can I'm so happy that I can go explore and I'm even happier that now I have become a storyteller like George Lucas and, and, and you know, all these writers that I admired so much. I can share this. The fun is to share this adventure, this discovery with other people and make them curious too. And for me, faith was also... Um, had made me go through a similar trajectory when i when i grew up faith church was just part of life we went to church every morning i was a altar boy uh, my mom had a, a church choir and that was it and it, it was it was i was so used to it that it never occurred to me that there was more to faith than that it was just this routine on sunday not my favorite routine but still i didn't dislike it either and it was only when I was <clears throat> in high school in the last, la last few years that I started to think, well, but everybody's criticizing the church and, and the Pope and faith. I don't know anything about it. So I went back to the library and read about the church history and what, what the Pope had said. And I was like, oh my gosh, this felt like a massive 
um, exploration of a world that I was not familiar with, and I felt almost cheated. I was like, why, why don't they ever talk about this stuff in church? Why was I never taught this? Every, everything in catechesis was, was um, like a moral tale. It, it also, faith was mostly about being kind to others and share. And that's fine, but that's, there's so much more to it. There's, there's 2,000 years of church history to explore and, and even more centuries of, of, of you know, the biblical history. There's just so much that, I, that nobody ever told me. And I felt like maybe this is why during that time when I was so fascinated by this wonderful world of, of faith that I heard the call and I heard... I, you need to become a priest. And that was very similar to Luke Skywalker in a way, seeing that holographic projection coming out of R2-D2, uh, of Leia calling him to on this adventure. Uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi, you're our only hope. I remember first seeing that and I was like, Obi-Wan Kenobi, who's that? And I see this old bearded man and it's like, oh, that's a name I haven't heard in a long time. And but then it turns out that it's actually Luke who's going to be the protagonist. He's going to save the princess and he will become the hero of the story. He's going to take over from Obi-Wan Kenobi. That is almost a metaphor of how I felt as a young seminarian. I was like, I've been called to this adventure. I love this exploration and everything it teaches me. Um... I've, it's it's also a fight in a certain way, just like Luke was fighting the dark side. I felt like my life as a priest is going to be about helping God to 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 conquer the world with His love and to defeat evil and sin and everything. I was so idealistic, and I think it was because I recognized that idealism from the the the, the, the most important story in my in my life as a kid, which was Star Wars. Of course. Uh, really pious people would say oh, it was the Bible and then Star Wars, but that would be a lie. Star Wars for me was the most influential story of my life. And so, I, but I felt that same thing like, oh, so all the other priests that I knew, including the ones that were teaching us in seminary, they were also old. Probably they were younger than I am right now, but as a, you know, an 18-year-old seminarian, they were ancient. And so I felt like, we are the new generation. We are the new Jedi Knights of the Catholic Church. We need to take over and help these old guys because <laughs> they have no, no longer the power. But one day we will, we will be the teachers. We will uh, take, on, uh, take over the sword, the lightsaber, and, and continue the fighting the fight. That's kind of how I visualized my, my future. And you know what's funny? It had, it's how, just like Han Solo says in, uh, in The Force Awakens, it's all true. It's, this is exactly what happened. And it helps also to see your life in the framework of such a story. Because it helps you to, to dream. It helps you to always look ahead to... Um, there, there's an aspirational force in these stories that make you think and make you reflect on where am I going and where should I go and the heroism and the idealism in Star Wars uh, was, a, was a great help for me to 
apply that same attitude towards anything in my life. And you know me. The fact that you're listening to this and you picture me walking here in this beautiful forest where this feels like Endor. Seriously, these trees are just as tall and the sun is hitting the leaves and it's, you see the rays of sun is still early in the morning. It's super quiet here. Not a stormtrooper inside. Uh, that sense of adventure is what drives me. I, I can so thoroughly enjoy these moments of being outside and explore, explore and share my stories because that is what these, this, these movies did to me and, and helps me experience. Uh, let's see, crossroads. Am I going left? Am I going right? Um, I'm going to the left. So I'm going to take a detour because I'm about to record the extra mile for my patrons. So next week I will talk a bit more about what Star Wars mean, meant to my in my later years when I got older and even today what it means to me and the life lessons it learned me. But the one thing I want you to remember is that, uh, and if there's one lesson I learned from Star Wars, it is that if you look at your life as an adventure, as a call to adventure, it's the God calls you just like we see in this this almost metaphor of, of Leia's projection in the hologram. And he asks us, I need your help. You're my only hope. Well, we're supposed to say that to God, right? You're our only hope. But he wants us to be part of that adventure. He wants your life to be a, an exploration, a discovery. It is, and it's not going to be without battles. It's not going to be without uh, opponents and enemies. But you are supposed to play the role of the hero, and that means just like Luke Skywalker. And I'll get to that in, in, in next week. You'll also have to face the dark side of yourself and try to conquer it. But in the end, you are not the dark side. There is good in you. And God wants it to shine like a bright lightsaber in the dark. Wow, I'm getting all poetic here. <laughs> Time to wrap things up. Thanks for listening and uh, to my patrons. See you, see you in a minute during the next mile. Take care. May the force be with you.